All right, welcome to the Peyton Years, your home for Oregon State men's basketball, the only podcast in the world dedicated solely to Oregon State men's basketball. As always, I'm your host, Andy, and I'm here with my friend, Sam. Sam, how are you doing? I, I'm doing great, Andy. You know, I think I think it's fair to say that the, the nation collectively, the countdown has started. We are, we are within a month of, of November 7th when Division I college basketball and most importantly, our Beavers play their first game. And we've got an official roster set. We've got a schedule. It's it's a great time to be alive, and I'm excited. Yeah, that's right. We're doing the official season preview here. We're going to give the final rundown of the roster going into the season. We're going to look ahead at the schedule. And then we also sat down with friend of the podcast, uh, a longtime guest, Coach PC, to talk about, get some hot takes for the Pac-12 season. So be excited for that, Peyton Heads. And, and yeah, and, and we'll timestamp. We'll revisit some of our predictions because I think we each we each got a little spicy. Yeah, definitely. So we'll get into all that. But first, as always, the Oregon State fight song. It, it somehow sounds even better this time of year. Like you think it could, how could that even be possible? But when you hit to this point in October, it sounds even better. It does. It's got a fall quality to it. And that's one thing that we'll always appreciate about Oregon State. That's why our colors are orange and black, you know. Absolutely. All right. Well, let's start off with just the official rundown of the roster going into the season. Let's do some quick hits on the players because there's been a couple of new additions and some Injury update, so we'll just kind of get it all going in. All right, leading off the roster, we have Dexter Acano, returning guard. Uh, what are you thinking for Dexter this year? Is he going to play point guard this year, or is he going to stay more on the wing? Well, because we are doing this alphabetically, he's the first, obviously, he's the first one we're talking about. Unfortunately, because Christian Wright's going to be gone so long, and also Justin Rochelin, I think we're going to see him back in that Swiss Army knife roll, bringing the ball up some when Jordan Pope's not on the court. We'll talk about him later, too, which is not his, I think, ideal spot. We, we see Dexter as more of a three on this podcast. I think most people do, but he's a leader. You know, he's one of two people who played in, in more than five games on last year's teams. And, and so I think that makes him important right there. He had an 18-point game in Italy. And he feeds the homeless for fun in his free time. So you have to love Dexter Ricardo. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up the uh, feeds the home, feeds the houseless uh, in their spare time because I think a theme that you're going to see a lot this year is that these are good kids. Dexter, uh, yeah, we should bring that up more on this podcast. I think Nick Dashell wrote an article strictly about how he does that in response to John Canzano's bullshit one a week or so prior, and so. Read up on him. Google Dexter Acano if you haven't already. Google him. Okay, going alphabetically, the next up is Rodrigue and Della. What are we thinking for Rodrigue this year? Is he stepping into – is he going to be the fulcrum of the offense now that since he's essentially – besides GT, besides Glenn Taylor, he's one of the only returners who has real kind of like stats backing him up. Unfortunately, he's the only one left from the Elite Eight team of two years ago. It happened quick. Um yeah, uh, what managed only made like three or four games before he got hurt last year, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. um, would have been the difference in a lot of the close losses, in my opinion, an extra rebound, an extra block shot. Um, and he was scoring his 10, 12 points a game. And so hopefully 
in his rehab, he could add, he had to do his range a little bit, but even if not, he's going to get a ton of minutes and, and score a lot, I think more than he had in the past. Yeah. I think he's poised for an Andre Kelly type role uh, with Oregon state. And if you're a fan of PAC 12, Andre Kelly, he's the departed former Cal power forward who put up a solid 15 and 10, I think every year. And a lot of that was based on just, you know, there's going to be a lot of missed shots. And so I think there's going to be a lot of rebounds for him. And he's an excellent rebounder generously listed at six, eight, but, yeah, he did. Kelly was generously listed at 6'10", probably actually more like 6'8". Rodriguez probably actually more like 6'6", maybe 6'7", but who cares? He's stronger, I think, than than Kelly was, too. He has a stronger upper body. Yeah, I'm really curious. I think you're going to see Rodriguez um, play really close to the basket this year, even though I think a lot of times he's going to be out there with a taller post player. I think he likes to run a lot of two-post offenses, and I think a lot of times, despite him being the shorter one, he's going to be the one that's doing most of the – like offensive work right around the hoop. He's because he's got a good post moves. He's got good touch around the rim. He's got some good up and under moves. His hook shots came along at least a little bit that we saw last year before he was hurt. So excited to see what he does around the post. If you really want to nerd out, go back and watch the Tulsa game from last year, which is I think he had like 12 points, maybe 13. It was like six of seven from the field, which was very much the guy he was at the Juco level. Where mm-hmm. it's, you know, so that that shows that the development has been there. All right, coming up next, we got Tyler Billadu, the 6'9 freshman forward from Kennewick, Washington. He's one of the prospects that we're really hyped up about just because he's got such an interesting backstory. His mom, a former WNBA player, his dad, a former NHL player. Tyler himself played uh, hockey up until a couple of years ago. He's a twin brother who's slightly smaller than him, slightly shorter, but also a really good player. Just kind of an interesting background. Was the second highest rated recruit out of Washington, I think, last year, or maybe the first. I believe it was first. Yeah, I believe it was first. So he's supposed to be good. They uh, talked about using him in kind of a hybrid forward post role so that his touch is a lot better than they kind of thought it would be. So curious to see what he does. Yeah, I mean, especially with the signing of a Beckway, who we'll talk about later, size isn't as at much of a premium. So that'll just give him more chances to play at the wing to me. I like, I think he'll he's going to play a lot, whether it's as a three or if they need him to play as a post. And he's a hockey guy. I, I think the physicality won't be so much an issue for him. It might just be like the speed of Pac-12 play at first. But he's a stud, one of the higher just like, and I know we don't give a shit about the stars, but he's one of the highest rated recruits they've had in a while, just on paper. Yeah, I'm just curious too, because like you always hear about certain players uh, playing soccer and developing their foot speed. Like Drew Timmy is a great example of he was a good soccer player in high school um, before going on to Gonzaga fame. And so, yeah, I'm just interested to see if the same is true for hockey. Because in my mind, that is also like you have to be obviously really coordinated on your feet to skate really well. So hopefully that translates. You would think it would. It's just you never hear about it because the sports are played at the same time. Like mm-hmm. you kind of have to choose one or the other, which makes Bilodeau very interesting to begin with. All right. Next up, another uh, freshman guard from Atlanta, Georgia, from the Skill Factory, the second Skill Factory player Oregon State has on their team, Donovan Grant, 6'6", 200 pounds. One of the the first of two walk-ons on the roster. Um, Yeah, I don't know. He's a Skill Factory guy. Like, we we don't know as much about him. But the fact that he's 6'6", I mean, I kind of assumed he was shorter than that, honestly. But it seems like a nice find. He was a teammate of Christian Wright, who was in Georgia last year and is, is hurt right now, but he's on our roster as well. All right, next up we've got Casey Abekwe. This is one of the late signings that you were really fired up on. I know you got an Abekwe take for us, but 
He's the 6'10 Canadian power forward who we signed in, what, August? He was a very late commit. Yeah, th so after the Italy trip, um, it was apparent that Isaiah Johnson didn't go either. He was the only one that there wasn't a clear explanation, unlike Rochelin and uh, and Dell. And it was because, they, I mean, they probably made the mutual decision that he would enter the portal um, once they found a guy they wanted to replace him with. And it's this dude. He's gigantic. I think he's taller, but his his wingspan is like seven six. He does look really, really big. And we got to mention that he's right up there with Jared Lucas for just funny. Absolutely school, hilarious. High yes. school highlight tapes where like Jared Lucas is famous for playing like I think 1A or 2A in California, just kind of lower level competitions. And he like he, Jared Lucas was like one of the tallest players in his highlight tapes. It's like watching LeBron. He's he's the tallest guy, but he's also bringing the ball up the floor and, and getting all the rebounds, even though Jared Lucas is generously 6'1 or something like that. Yeah, Beckway's tape has really similar vibes. I'm not sure what level he was playing in Canada, but to watch him just dunk and swat these <laughs> tiny little white Canadian players, it's hilarious. It's, I, in these gyms with two rows of bleachers, you know, like watching the coach of the other team just stand there. It's, it's truly great. He gets a breakaway steal, and it looks dangerous, like if the kid got in his way. It does. So excited to see what he does uh, now that he's joined the team. That was a good late-season pickup for him. Real quick, though, he also did play in, for Canada's U18 team in FIBA. So it's not just based off of those games that he was signed, fortunately. Right. No, it's not, it's not a huge re reach. Um, going down, we have another player that we really like, Nick Crass, another player who has a very funny highlight tape. Nick Crass is a freshman guard from Mississippi, 6'4", 190. I think he was like a three-star, borderline four-star, kind of a little bit of one of the higher-rated prospects of the freshman class that they got. But we love Nick Crass because he uh, he dives for balls in his highlight tapes. There's multiple highlights of him just diving for loose balls, but kind of a shooter, outside shooter, just tough grit and grind. I think the rifle comparison is fair, even though he's much taller. He's like six seven, and uh, yes, he his competition in high school is much more impressive than Beckway's in Mississippi. But yeah, the fact that he includes multiple, uh, even one of them that he didn't get, I will add that there was a he dives for a loose ball that still goes out of bounds, but it fires his bench up quite a bit, and. He uh, there's a full game again if you want to nerd out on YouTube where he goes for 46, 6, and 6. He, he's a baller. Yeah, he'll be a good player. I'm excited to see what he does. Um, and apparently Tim Floyd, former USC coach, was the one that discovered him and, and led Wayne to him specifically. Okay, I love that. Um, next up, this is the X factor, I'd say, for the season because no one – he's kind of the mystery man. Hasn't played a ton since really high school, but it's Shoal Mariel, the seven foot two. Three-point shooting center, transfer from Maryland. He's finally cleared by the NCAA. He's – I'm going to put healthy in air quotes. <laughs> right. Well, yeah, no one's really given us a definitive yes on that, and we have talked to lots of people about Shul. What I'll say is that you're not as plugged in on social media. The Instagram and Facebook and Twitter stuff is always pictures of him. Oh, yeah? And they're using lots of guys, but it seems to all – he's like the most consistent one, and I get it. He's 7'2". It looks kind of cool, but – He's 7-2, a former um, – like, he was a very high-rated recruit. I think a top 100 player when he signed at Maryland a couple of years ago. And injuries have really just completely derailed his career, kind of led him on this path to Corvallis. Yeah, I think if in a dream scenario, if everything really breaks right for Oregon State this year, you see Scholl start at the 5 and Andela at the 4. And then you can bring kind of Bilodeau, I think, maybe as like your 
six man or something along those lines. Rooney as well gives you Rooney know, gives depth. you yeah gives you some depth at the post player that they just did not have last year. If Scholl's very healthy, that's that's huge, huge for Oregon. Yeah, I mean Scholl is another one that uh, if the NCAA wasn't so crooked and full of Beaver bias and let him play, and even if he missed half the year, he probably is the difference in the Samford game. The a lot of those close ones, especially against mid-majors, just because of his size. Probably the difference in the Samford game. <laughs> that's that's going to be the, the title of this uh, episode. I think about that game more than I would like to admit. Okay, next on the line, I think this is another walk-on, if I'm not mistaken, right? Felipe Palazzo? Yeah, so... Let's get the we we have the inside scoop on Felipe. I think we should give it to the people because we're impressed by this kid. We love him. We 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 got a chance to meet Felipe when we attended a practice last year because he was a manager and was someone. I don't remember the exact story the coaches told us of how he came over from Argentina hoping to play, and um, they didn't have a spot even for him as a walk on last year. And so that that fucking rules that he's on it. Um, through Instagram, what was really cool to see was a lot of dudes who are no longer on this team, even if they're still college basketball players, giving him love for that. And so you love to see stuff like that. Yeah, he seemed like a good kid when we talked to him. He was really energetic. He was really enthusiastic. He was working really hard as a manager. And they uh, – so, yeah, it's good to see him come through. Hopefully he gets in the game a little bit. And we, we love the lock-ons. We love Dyson. Uh, Hobson. Yeah. Hobson, yeah. He kind of – Felipe, as a manager, you would notice during some of the tougher losses, really doing yeoman's work, trying to be positive and uplifting. Exactly. All right, next on the line, your favorite recruit. I think the, the X factor for you this season, freshman Jordan Pope, 6'2", out of the Bay Area, out of prolific prep. That's a good high school to come out of. Uh, what are you thinking? Is Jordan Pope, is he officially, do you think, he, should we just lock him as the starting point guard now that Christian Wright has hurt his knee? I think he's good enough, and it just did. I think he probably was the most talented one anyways. It was just lack of experience and, and maybe size a little bit that would have kept him from day one. But I, I I think he could be very, very special. He, he did things at Prolific Prep surrounded by NBA talent that are pretty cool for a Beaver recruit. He outplayed Grady Dick on ESPN by a lot, and that's supposedly the best high school player in the country. There's no way people still think Grady Dick, but he's, who signed at Kansas, is the best high school player in the country. Well, he's not, but it was, it was billed that way on ESPN. You can find that on YouTube, too, if you would like to. All right, next up, um, this is a freshman, I think, who has the most <laughs> NBA buzz, if there is any around the Oregon State prospects, but probably with, like, the most long-term potential if you're looking for a pro player. But it's Michael Retai. He's coming in. He's 6'9", 220 pounds, the freshman forward, small forward from Germany. He's very um, – has been playing pro basketball for the last couple of years. He's got experience. What are we thinking for Michael Retai? Another one that's kind of probably day one ready. I mean, I'm not saying that his – overseas competition in Germany was as good as the Pac-12 will be, but he's been playing against adults since he was like 15. He looked really good in the this summer for Germany in their U18 tournament. At times I felt like a parent because they didn't give him the ball enough. And I was like, but it truly was objectively fact, but he he's versatile. I mean, he'll the two way guy, three and D guy for NBA draft heads. He's going to play a lot too. Yeah, I think I think you might see him floated as a small forward, maybe depend, potentially on what they do with the starting guard, seeing where GT, Glenn Taylor, and where Akano uh, end up. At. When we finish this, we should give our prediction for starting lineup yeah. for the first game because I think he's one that could 
maybe, maybe not. Yeah. All right, next up we got Justin Rocheland. He's the transfer guard from Arizona State, 6'5", 190 pounds. He was hurt, didn't make the Italy trip. He felt bad for a kid who can't go to a free trip to Italy because he's got bone spurs. Right, you can't even travel and just experience like you're going to be in that much pain. That would blow. And like not and he had to follow those games on Twitter the same way the rest of us did. And he played for Bobby Hurley as a redshirt. That sounds like a hellish 14 months to put anybody through. Yeah, so Corvallis, embrace Justin Motion with your open arms. Give that guy the real experience. Buy him a hot dog. Buy him a gill dog if, if you see him hanging out because he's going to be missing the start of the year, unfortunately. Get some. Get him a bottle of de sauce from local boy. Show him, give him the right. real experience. Steal him one. Steal you know, him. I know they tell you not to, but for that, give him a free one, you know. Exactly. Kind of a question mark, but we'll, it'll be nice to get him back. Yeah. Um, another kind of question mark, but a senior transfer from San Francisco. I'm sorry if I ruined this. Dimitri Rooney? I think, yeah, that's what we I, – I was saying it wrong before, but it's Rooney. He's uh, – well, and yeah, I'm not sure either. But he's 6'9", 220, looks a little bit taller than that. He's coming off a San Francisco team that was very good last year, made the NCAA tournament with an at-large bid. Yeah, they were an eight seed. Um, so he's got that postseason experience. He's played a competitive program. He did slip a little bit in his career at San Francisco, not necessarily maybe of any fault of his own, just by process of them getting recruiting really high-level players, as you saw. But he started off playing more, and that's kind of what led him to transfer to Oregon State after this year. Yeah, his numbers two years ago, which was also a, a very good team, I, if, I think they also made the tournament two years ago, um, were much better. It was like nine and five a game, and uh, last year it wasn't close to that. And a little bit of it was injuries, but also he, it seemed like he got beat out some. But yeah. so he'll be hungry. He, he's a stretch big, which so he'll he could pair well with Andela. Yeah. Next up, we got another freshman, Jaden Stevens, six seven forward out of uh, Spokane, Washington, from Gonzaga Prep, another good school. So you see some kind of like higher profile high schools in these recruits. Yeah, and Stevens is probably of the all the true freshmen, the lowest star rating, but he balled out, it sounded like, in Italy. And maybe another guy that's an undersized big that they can use. It'd be nice if he could go play the threesome as well. Yeah. Um, next up, probably the t player uh, most likely to get an award at the end of some all-conference recognition. It's Glenn Taylor Jr., the only player to receive any votes, I believe, for uh, all-conference. Uh, made first-team all-conference for uh, freshmen last year for the Pac-12. What are we thinking for GT and the evolution of his game? You think he's going to play some point? Is he going to move over to shooting guard? Where, where do we see his game? Well, that's going? what I was going to ask you is because he's the other obvious answer of a guy that probably wouldn't play point guard that much if right were healthy that could do it if it's a little bit much for Pope to be doing 30-plus minutes a game. He's probably the best player on the team. I mean, he had the best season – including the transfers, maybe Wright had a little better year than him no. of anybody. You think it's Taylor? Yeah, definitely Taylor. Okay. See, yeah. Um, and so what leap does he make? Is he going to shoot threes a little better? Is he going to bring the ball up some? But, yeah, I think he, he best chance of getting all conference. Yeah, definitely. I think just because I believe that he's probably the most athletic player on the team, maybe just as a pure athlete. He's a really good slasher. I think you'll see – kind of the offense run through him a little bit, just trying to get him running at the rim. Because he's a very aggressive player on the court, too, which sometimes last year Oregon State had trouble finding shooters willing to shoot. And you don't really have that problem with GT. No. And so, the yeah, get him the ball, however, whether he's a distributor or whether he's taking the most shots, I think you need to 
play through him a lot. And I really want to see him give Will Richardson a two small sign again this year. Exactly. That was a beautiful thing. And then last on the roster, he's injured right now. Kind of a, a really harsh blow, but it's Christian Wright, the point guard transfer from Georgia. Also another skill factory player. It's great if that can become a pipeline for Oregon yeah. State. Because Isaiah Johnson transferred to Portland State, the, the Bishop Montgomery pipeline has finally come to an end. They were very good to us. But I would love it if the skill factory took over. Yeah, Christian Wright, he was poised to be the starting point guard for the team. We're not sure how long he's out with his knee injury, but it sounds like quite a He's going to make it back, I think, with, with some time in the season. I, is a, I don't know a lot about knees or whatever, but apparently the one he tore is – not as bad as the AC or MCL, but the rehab is almost harder because you just have to sit there. Mm -hmm. You can't put any pressure on it. So it's going to take some time. All right, so that's your rundown of the roster. Sam, do you want me to go first for my prediction for starting five, or do you want to lead off? You go first, because and then I'll try to – I just think that Taylor is really the only guarantee, right? No, I think that Econo and Taylor start as the one-two, I think, and Dallas starts at the four – Four five, I think. Then that you go um, maybe Billadu at the four, Billadu and Rodrigue and as the post, Akano and um, Taylor as the guards, and then I think you're going to see probably um, either probably Crass as the three. Did you say six people there? No, I said Akano and GT as the guards, Crass as the three. And Della and Bilodeau is the four five. Okay, I uh, so I'll say Jordan Pope is the one, and that Taylor will be the two, and Akana will be the three, uh, with Retai as the four, and uh, and Della's the five. I can see that, but that just feels so small for a Wayne Tinkle team. It does, and Retai is six nine. I mean, he has the height, but he is more of a wing than yeah. a power forward. I mean, it just. You, you could also see uh, Rooney just early on. I mean, I doubt he's got going to start all 32 games or anything like that. But the first couple, because he has more experience, it wouldn't be shocking either. Yeah. Um, all right. Do we want to run down the schedule really quick? Yeah, let's do it. All right. So Oregon State leads off with Tulsa. And then they follow up with Florida and m Bushnell, Portland State, Duke. And then uh, in the PK-90 or PK-85, whatever they call it. And then after that, kind of TBD. They have another TBD game on November 27th. Then a quick open up with Washington on ESPN for the first Pac-12 game in December, followed by USC. Then back to the non-conference for Texas A&M, Seattle, Green Bay, DU, Denver University, before hopping into Pac-12 play, starting off with Oregon and playing Utah, Colorado, Arizona, Arizona State, Stanford, Cal, Utah, Colorado, Arizona State, Arizona, UCLA, USC, Washington, Washington State, Oregon, Stanford, and then ending with Cal before the Pac-12 tournament. What stands out to you? What are the game? What are the key games that you were looking at? Now, so right off the bat, Tulsa is a 9 p.m. tip local time. So I, I think that's kind of special. On a Monday. On a Monday. So get that's... your boys. If you go to Oregon State, get the homies together. Watch the Monday night game. Get a little rowdy for it, then walk over to Legendary Guild. Do you know how good a Guild Dog would be at 10.30 p.m.? I don't I I don't think I'm going to make that one personally. It's a lot to ask, but uh, we'll be at lots of games this year. Uh, but like, I And uh, unfortunately, no Jariah Horn. But yeah, that'll be a fun late one. Bushnell it was the TBD 
when we talked to Eric Reveno, he was very frustrated uh, that he needed to find one more and it took so long that they actually released this without knowing who that team was yet, but right down the road. So that should be a win, obviously. Yeah, I think I'm keen in on that. Well, I always love Oregon State's games versus Portland State. I love that interstate rivalry. And you'll get to see Isaiah Johnson play for Portland State. I think he'll get a lot of serious run over there. So that'll be fun to watch. So that's a game I'm keen in on. Obviously, the Duke game is huge, huge, yeah. huge. Kicking off Thanksgiving at noon. I'm so excited. I mean, I, I still don't really know what that day is going to look like, but I know where I'll be at noon, you know. Exactly. And then the other key, key game I'm looking at is uh, – I'm looking at Cal as the last game of the all season. The I'm looking at Cal as the last game because I'm not going to skip through all the other games. We'll cover them all in the season, obviously. But just right now, what I see is a kind of a godsend. To end with Cal – to have that be your last game, that I feel like is – that's the best-case scenario for Oregon State because Cal is going to be, in my opinion, the worst team in the Pac-12. That's going to be a game you have to win to build some momentum going into the Pac-12 tournament to kind of make some noise. Andy March. drove the point home hard in our hot takes. Like, it's it's one thing to say Cal is the worst team. More people are saying it's us, they're wrong, it is them, but you really hit hard on how bad they could potentially be. And I agree. I think that – I think that we're going to be building some momentum and that's going to be the first time they like really whip somebody's ass in a while. And it's going to be perfect right before they, you know, go into a situation where you need to be fearless, obviously. And we plan to be there in Vegas. Uh, oh, I wanted to say about the Portland state game. It's on the same day as a football game and probably cause they're both going to be on PAC 12 network. It won't matter this time, but if they're scheduled at the same time, again, I will write a strongly worded letter to somebody. Yeah, we'll have to look into that. And, yeah, I just really want to hammer home that I think Cal will be so bad this year. I do not know if they will win a single conference game. This could be Mark Fox's last year on the bench over there. If he gets his typical three to five wins, then we've got to, like, just declare if he coached anywhere, like at Duke, they would never lose. <laughs> if he could get the right – a bunch of one-and-doneers to play Mark Fox basketball, he'd be undefeated. All right, any other hits before we pop into the Pac-12 takes with Gabe? No, just – oh, oh, right. Um, the Fan Fest thing. I'm excited to get – you're going to be out of town, so we can't go together. But may, I'm going to try and see if someone will go to that with me. And What is the Fan Fest? Explain the list. Oh, right. It's Monday, October 24th. If you somehow missed the tweet they put out about it, I haven't seen news about it anywhere else. But, you know, I'm sure you'll get a chance to meet the, the guys a little bit and hear from the coaches and – and so I'll go down, hopefully get to see what up to the Scheffler and Trevor and all those guys and Coach Tinkle. So, okay, so go to the Fan Fest. First Gill Dog of the season, you know. Exactly. It's a gift. It's a gift. It's all a gift. Remember that. It's all a gift. All right, now let's jump into uh, Pac-12 Hot Takes with Coach PC. All right, we're here with special guest Coach PC of the Academy of Art basketball team um one of our favorite guests the first person to ever offer kyler kelly a scholarship and we're all together in person this is the first time i think we've ever interviewed a guest in person so happy to have you here gabe thank you very much for having me uh frequenting the peyton years once a year is the highlight of my year every year um and i'm a original peyton head he it, one of these days you're going to get your name up in gill it's time 
more of Beaver Nation became aware of the first man to ever offer Kyler Kelly a scholarship at any level. So we thank you for joining us, Gabe. Yeah, this is a big deal. This is a big deal. And we're going to run down a little bit just of our conference preview with Gabe. Uh, we'll hit it a little bit different probably in another episode, but we're just going to get some of our hot takes out of the way um, now that all the schedules have been released. Gabe, you had a hot take before we jumped on. You said you've been doing your research. You said, and Sam agreed with you, he said he'd also been doing his research. I want to come clean. I haven't done any <laughs> research on this at all. I'm, going, I'm punching from the gut here. You said it's unanimous who's going to win the Pac-12 this year. Who is it? Uh, I did not say it was unanimous. Uh, unanimous being, you know, at this table, we all have to agree. But sing singular uh, belief is that the Ducks will win the Pac-12 this year. Uh, am I a University of Oregon graduate? Yes. Does that make a difference in this statement? Yes. Uh, is it still true? Yes. Gabe, I'm going to stop you because I'm throwing up in my mouth. Um, <laughs> Sam, what do you think? Do the, is that is that true? Because this is... Break it to me. Give me the news true. Is that what's the prediction is the Ducks are going to win the conference? That was poor forming the way we did that, where we, we let our guests. We started off our first in-person guest in, in quite some time by predicting Oregon to win the conference because it's not true. And we know that. I mean, the, the evidence, you know, many might point to certain things that would make it seem like it. We all know this is going to be a Dana Altman classic underachieving team. Classic underachieving team. What was last year considered? Uh you well, think, not underachieving. You think, I don't, you think you're for two in a row? <laughs> Unlikable yes. is what last year was considered. I think – I'll give you this. that The Ducks are due to win the conference because they did it for such a long time before falling apart last year. I love that they have Guerrier, Guerrier coming back. Um, I think he's going to be really good. I think he's going to be in the mix for a second-team all-pack 12 seat. Plus, with the good freshman they got coming in, we were really impressed by the guy who played at the Nike Global Challenge. Their center is coming in. He can hit threes. But I think – one thing that has me confused is that Dior Johnson was just arrested. And I'm just going through my brain saying, how is he not on the Ducks? That seems like the it perfect player to go to Eugene. so convenient that he is no longer committed to Oregon and gets arrested just so, so quick after that to I, me. I don't consider any of that uh, pertinent to <laughs> the rankings and the preseason predictions. Well, I just thought we should bring it up since we were talking about the Ducks. Okay, so your prediction is the Ducks win the conference. That's not my prediction at all. I'm sticking tried and true with the blue. I'm thinking Bruins. Please don't interrupt me on my own podcast. My thing is that they have Triple J, Jaime Akes Jr., who I think is the leader right now for preseason pac player of the year. At least in my mind, I haven't done any of the quote-unquote research, but if i someone who watches a lot of games, I've got to believe he's coming in with that lead. Tiger Campbell is probably one of the most not underrated point guards in the country, but steady because I think he is properly rated. People give him a lot of respect. Plus, Mick Cronin, one of our favorite coaches, he always gets the most out of his team, unlike uh, some people maybe down in Eugene. So just really impressed overall with the Bruins. Surprised that they don't have more over it. Is there a dollar amount that I would have that I could pay? You just give me the number to get you to say something nice about the Ducks on air. Is there, <laughs> is there a dollar amount like – like a range. Maybe. There is, but I don't think Academy of Arts assistant basketball <laughs> it's out of your range. salary sure. has it mm -hmm. for sure. Okay, so what I I'll probably I don't want I don't mean to be boring and I have other hot takes, but I'll as my official besides the Beavers, what like we'll clarify once again that we always truly in our hearts believe that that Wayne Tinkle will lead the Beavers to to a, a Pac-12 title. It's we've seen it before, but um Besides that, the more logical side of, of my brain probably agrees with UCLA. I don't think that they'll have the conference player of the year, though,
because Campbell and Hawkins will split it and it'll be bullshit and go to somebody on Arizona or Oregon. Yeah, Arizona is the one team I'm kind of keen in on because I feel like the national media, just from the little bit I've heard, is really much higher on them than I am. I'm feeling like Arizona could fall easily to third, possibly even fourth in the Pac-12. Well, a lot of people, what I assume were predicting them to win, apparently that's not the case. But how do you guys feel about Arizona coming in the year? Go ahead, Gabe. Uh, well, well, coach team. Obviously, you know you lose you lose players of the NBA, which is always a good problem to have. Mm-hmm. Benedict uh, Matherin, the Pac-12, Kobe Bryant, yeah, also Coloco, yeah. Coloco. Yeah, that that hurts. So you can't you can't fault them for all that. But um, I, I'm not sure who they got transferring in. Do you guys know who they got transferring in at the moment? They do. Um, not off top, but it's several D one. They and they went JUCO heavy. So they did go, Jugo, which is yeah, a little yeah. bit more of a risk. And um, who, who are, um, who well, they have Tabellus coming back. They also have Tabellus coming back in Larson. Yeah, and probably Larson, I think, will take a leap. We hate their point guard, um, Kerr. We hate Krisa Kerr, Kerr Krisa. But people are high on him. I'm feeling he's going to take a major step back this year. Wouldn't be surprised. I've heard good things about actually their backup point guard who's a high school player coming in. There's nothing fun in the watching an Arizona game and seeing Kerr on the back of a guy's jersey, and you're thinking, man, if only that was Steve Kerr. Because yeah. that happened at one point. <laughs> he, shoot, he takes a lot of shots as if he thinks he's Steve. And it makes me feel good. I'm so, not going to go on the diatribe about what I think of Kerr Carissa unretiring Steve Kerr's jersey because I, I – I've done it enough on this podcast, let alone in person, off air, in front of Andy. I, I, I do the thing where I someone else brings it up, I'll re, retell the story, even though I know I just said it in front of Andy 20, 25 minutes ago, because it makes me so upset. I do want to hear it, though. He, uh, uh, all right, well, Gabe wants to, so we'll do it quickly. It's a... He uh, he became he is named after Steve Kerr, which is a point of privilege already. So when that. he signed with Arizona, he wanted to wear Kerr on the back of his jersey, which is his first name. No one else gets to do that. And he requested that he wear twenty five, which was Steve Kerr's jersey, which uh, is just eighteen year olds don't get to do that. They don't get to. No. And 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 so I'll forever hate him. The headband thing um, at the Pac twelve tournament when he got eighteen thousand people to wear a white headband because he missed one game with an ankle injury was blood boiling. Nauseating. This hurts you. And to no end. And I cannot wait for him to get exposed this season. The the Arizona love proves that people went to bed when they were on a lot because they're gonna miss Matherin more than people understand. And I think they're gonna miss Coloco because Ballo is not as good for him. That's not a plug and replace situation to me. Oh, and they'll miss Terry. They're missing their top three players from last year. I don't think people are really factoring that. Right. In. That's another first round NBA pick. All it's a it's a really important time, I think, at this point to mention that the Beavers have made an Elite Eight more recently than University of Arizona, despite what may be implied. I'm sure you never get tired of saying that, which is nice. I'll uh, bring it up as long as it's true, and I, I, I'm very confident oh, that it will be another year. The the big the big addition, my arguably the biggest addition to any Pac-12 team in the transfer portal was Courtney Ramey. Uh, oh yeah, from Texas. That, that that's, a, that's a major uh, acquisition, and I hate to call you out on the the JUCO uh, statement, uh, you know, Sam, but that's usually my area of expertise. They don't have any JUCO players. Oh, well, then that uh, was they, it was was it Arizona State? It was Oregon. Uh, oh, it is Oregon. Who, who has God at damn, least? I knew it was one of who them. has at least in my mind? I come off the top of my head. Rivaldo Suarez, uh, Tyrone from uh, Grayson College, uh, the kid from Northwest Florida, Rigsby, and then I'm thinking there might there might be one more. You think Suarez will be good this year? 
I think Suarez will be good this year. I mean, was did he not help him last year? I mean, he was he was he really, great, but he, he was really was, underwhelming as JUCO Player of the Year coming in. You're used to listen. You're used to better better products. Anyways, yeah, he was he was good for what he is. Yeah, but you know, there you I, go. That's about as close to a comment as he had. He was good for what he is. He's good. For, listen, but I, I don't. I guess mine was unintentional, but I did compliment there because I thought I in my head at the time I thought it was Arizona, but their their JUCO additions are very talented. They're, they're, they're very good for, good. they're good for what they are. And let me tell you this: not only do I like Oregon, I want to. But the JUCO additions, the JUCO culture they created there, and the JUCO that the way they recruit JUCO, it, it makes me proud. What's, makes me proud. What's the one under the radar team that you guys are keen in on who could make a jump this year in the standings that people aren't keen in on? It's Washington. I think it's kind of obvious. I don't know why we I, we become such Washington biased people, or at least I have. No, they're so cool. They're gonna miss. Brown, I think early. It's gonna be kind of like last year where their record doesn't look that good, but it'll be better in conference. They got Kepnang from Oregon, who, when he entered the portal, I really wanted the Beavers to get him, honestly. That will never yeah, happen. Kepnang will be good. Got- <laughs> there will never be an Oregon State player that can't make the, pull from Oregon. Biddle say that in the year. <laughs> right. It will never happen. Campus. It does seem like it would be Biddle. They also got any. Noah Williams from Washington State. They got Noah Williams, who who will have a, totally have a bounce back year. He's going to be perfect if they decide to stick. It's, I'll be curious to see. I can't tell if Mike Hopkins has a – completely lost control of the team and that's why he's not playing zone anymore or if it's b that his team was just so bad last year that he was like screw it we'll just play man to man i don't even care and i can't tell what it is but i think if he goes back to the zone i think that's gonna be perfect for noah williams he's gonna be insane oh, yeah. a zone in with noah williams top. bay cole Bajima, langston wilson who yeah. best known as the guy that dunked the Fuck out of it over Chet Holmgren two years ago when Juco. no one knew who he was. Juco guy. Another Juco, Juco product. Juco and um, Kepnang is pretty impressive. It's a good zone team. It's a good zone team. Good zone team. Who's your pick? Uh, so it, 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 the question was the most surprising. Yeah, uh, just who's your sleeper team that you think's going to do well that people aren't talking about? It doesn't well, have to be someone who's going to win the conference, but just someone who's going to do better than what they think. Well, to, to that point, someone that's going to do better than what people, people think. This is, You're going to love this. People unanimously, from my research, think that Oregon State will finish last in the right. Pac-12. That's, and that's unanimous from that's my research. That's unanimous from my research and the opinions of most people that I've spoken to. Okay. I will tell you that my surprise team would be Oregon State because I will say this on record now. They will not finish last. They will probably finish somewhere in the 11 to 10 range. And that is speaking. <laughs> okay. So, you went- so no, no, I'm just saying to, to overachieve was – the, the the subject of this of this uh, issue this you know this question here, Oregon State will overachieve this year. I'm choosing to let this fire me up because we're not quite to media day, but now two years ago, going into the Elite Eight year, it was Wayne Tinkle who went on record and promised we're not finishing last, and we've already got another NCAA coach saying it in early October. So we're writing it in the stars ourselves this time, and I think yeah. it's going to propel them to much more than that. But yeah. we'll start with that because, yes, it is something that yeah. people feel comfortable saying right now. Yeah. No, no disrespect to Cal or Utah or Colorado or any of those teams that are buying for you know Washington State. You know, they're all good teams. What you know, well coached, good good players, good people. But Oregon State unanimously at the bottom. I don't see it. I just don't see it. Not not the way that they're they're set. This this is what they're they're right where they want to be right now, where everyone thinks they're at the bottom. That's their mojo. They want to they want to be you know they want to be predicted last, and that's fine. They'll take it. No, I'm glad you brought up Cal, but I'm going to disagree with when you said that they are a good team. 
because my surprise team, I'm also going to kind of come at this from a little bit of a left angle here is I'm going with Cal as my surprise team, but not because they're going to be better than people think is I don't think people realize the gravity of the situation <laughs> over at Cal. And I am predicting that you're right, Gabe, Oregon state isn't going to finish last in the PAC 12. And I'm honestly not going to put a ceiling on where they're going to finish because we don't know what Tinkle's going to do. We don't know what these freshmen are going to look like. We don't know when the Georgia transfer point guards knee is going to be healed. Okay. It could be sooner rather than later. <laughs> they have a lot of good freshmen. You don't know. But so one thing we you. do know is that, Mark Fox is still the coach of Cal. <laughs> you can't deny that. He's on the sidelines. And it's hard to tell that he's on the sidelines because when you watch their team play, they're always terrible. And when you see that Andre Kelly, their best player for the last three years, transfers to UC Santa Barbara, and everyone, because it has a better chance, I think to myself, okay, so Cal is better than UC Santa Barbara. They also lost Beaver Killer Grant Antisevich, who who kind of saved his smoke for the Beavers, but he was solid, and they like they don't have anyone to replace him either. And what no. you're what you're not talking about is they have a Kentucky transfer. That's what you're not talking about. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, that's I don't want what, I don't want a guy Calipari couldn't make it work. Who's with. the Kentucky transfer? Ask, Devin Askew is he on the rock? Is that was that last year? I'm not wrong. He was he was there this year, right? Oh yeah, if he was on. Oh, yeah. I know who you're talking oh, about. Oh, the yeah. little six three. Why, okay. Oh, the little six three. Yeah, oh, no, <laughs> you're right. Devin Askew. No, they're going to be. You just solidified it. Wow. They're going to be terrible. Modern, a backcourt of Devin Askew. Modern day guy, right from so, in, from SoCal. I can't wait. That's to better see. than a SoCal guy going to ball out in NorCal. I can't I mean, wait to see on. Devin Askew and Joel Brown yes. lead the team to last place in the Pac-12. And you know what? I'm going to be perfectly honest with the leaders, with the listeners here. That's going to be hard to do with some of the seasons that some of the Pac-12 teams are going to have. And I'm predicting Cal to win one game. Wow, you think they're doing the, the uh, solo. I will point out that they uh, they did not take as much heat as they should have for being down 20 at halftime to one of their – I can't remember where they went. It wasn't uh, Italy. But they had a foreign tour this summer too and were down 20 at halftime to one game. I did see, speaking of foreign tours, that Oregon – played like five games in Canada and played a two-point game with one of the five teams in Canada. So yeah. that would be a little nervous. Maybe they're going to be a little erratic with all the newcomers. You just don't know. Um, but but in, in respect to, you know, the Cal and Oregon State and everything, I mean, you know, they're projecting from one source I saw that Oregon State went two conference games. I just – I just didn't think that was fair. I didn't think that was fair at all. That's not fair at all because that should be Cal. That, should be, that should be a yeah. generous prediction for Cal. All right. Um Coach, any shout-outs on your way out of here? Thank you so much for being on. But anything you want to say to not Beaver Nation unless you do support the school financially, but just the Peyton heads out there? Yeah, Peyton heads, keep on listening. Keep on, keep on, you know, striving. It's all everything's good. Uh, you know, the Beavers will always give you something to talk about. Uh, great respect for the for for, for all the Peyton heads out there. Uh, I'm glad to call myself one. And shout out to all small college basketball, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm living proof that uh, smallest college basketball does matter. And I say that right now. It does uh, matter. And, and shout out to you. We didn't uh, play up your intro or not, but you were part of the staff that helped uh, Academy of Art had their best season in school history and made the NCAA tournament, the D2 NCAA tournament, first time in school history, won their conference tournament. So you guys are coming off a promised season of your own. Really great uh, job out there. And, you know, he's got an eye for talent, which always makes you question his organ decisions. But you know it comes from the heart. Thank you so much for being on. We will um, – we'll check in with the Academy of Art throughout the course of the season. We'll keep you updated. Sounds good. Thanks for having me, guys. Go go Knights. We'll give a go Knights. Peyton heads are behind. Peyton at the AA. 
the art a of a as we, well the art you urbanize so who we are urbanites yeah, yeah they're, they're, what is an urbanite i don't know and no and not many people who support Oregon state basketball know either <laughs> all right <laughs> thanks gabe thanks for being on all right thank you All right, big shout out to Coach PC for coming on and just begging us to acknowledge anything positive about the Ducks at all. We won't do it. That was an air in interviewing where we, we we framed it so the first thing he got to do was predict Oregon to win the conference, and that won't happen again. But I, he knows that we're not. He's not going to catch a slipping like that. That was a major slip up. I can't believe I majored in media. No wonder my degree <laughs> no longer is offered by Oregon. Well, State. right, they no longer offer it, and it's probably because maybe because shit like that has happened too much. Too much. Okay. Any shout outs on our way out of here? Uh, so, in lieu of a shout out this time, I'm giving one more hot take, and it's I don't even know if it's like a, a prediction or just a crazy fun fact that is totally going to be true. But um, so Casey Abekway is going to lead. Shout outs real quick to the Three Man Weave podcast for their uh, college basketball almanac, which I have ordered. I haven't gotten it yet, but there's no way that he's in it. And so he's going to lead the nation in every category statistically of players not in the college basketball almanac this season, because that's a comprehensive thing. That is a good prediction. I do like that. It's kind of fun. It's something that it will, I think, sting those guys a little bit that they did such a Great job with all of it. And then the Beavers signed another dude in like late August <laughs> who's going to play a lot. So be on the lookout for that if you're a three-man weed listener too. Definitely. Okay. Then my, I have two shout-outs. One, I want to give a shout-out to the Oregon State football team because I've been really enjoying watching this season. And Sam, we watched the USC game together. Or no, we watched the Fresno State game. We watched Boise and then USC. Yeah, Boise and USC. But you had a great take where you said, I'm in on this team. They kind of suck, but they also have a promised vibe about them. That is so true about them. And so just shout out to the football team for you still kind of suck, but you just you have a promised vibe about you. Ride it as long as you can. My hopes are getting high. We uh, I yet yeah, people may not appreciate spicy football takes from us, but I, I will echo Andy's a hundred percent. I'm loving the way it's it's Put you know warming me up for basketball when it's when it's it's balls to the wall for you and I. But yeah, the the Stanford win did did have an Ethan Thompson scoring six straight points in twenty seconds for no reason at all type type feel to it. And so shout out Trayshawn Harrison as well. Exactly. Um, and then I want to give my final shout out to uh, to David Stern, the former NBA commissioner. Rest in peace, because. When I look at George Klevkov leadership right now, I'm thoroughly disgusted. And yes, I am talking about a three-week-old football game in Oregon State versus USC. But I ask you, as a Beaver fan, why on earth are the referees still giving every single call to USC when they are literally the school that is trying to destroy the conference? I look at George Klevkov, I say, any person in his rightful mind and a great commissioner like David Stern would have pulled all referees for all sports together at the start of the season and said, listen, you are going to screw USC and UCLA out of every single game and every single sport. And they can leave this conference, but they're going to leave with a terrible, terrible winning percentage. And to see that not happening, that is a major lack of judgment on your part, sir. And also kind of beaver bias. It's truly disgusting. It makes no sense. He deserves to be left in a room with Bobby Hurley and that one Vancouver volcano volcanoes fan that was so upset that that one time that that was almost on par with the 15 fouls to three second half in 2021 against Arizona. 
It was all was really swept under the rug, by the way. That was all. Yeah. Yeah. Some people don't even remember it, which is shocking. a lot of people claim they didn't know that happened. And obviously that's a lie. Obviously that's a lie. All right. Well, Beaver fans, Beaver Nation, if you give money to the school, we love you so much. And we're so hyped up for the season. We've been off for a while, but we're going to start pumping them out again here soon once the season starts up. So I guess there's just one last thing to say. And I, I want if Coach PC, if you're listening, turn this volume up and stick your ear right next right. to the phone. Fuck the Ducks. Fuck the Ducks. All right. Go Beast forever. See y'all very soon.